It is great to be with you here today. How many of you guys are excited for the new year before us here? You're ready to leave 2017 in the rearview mirror and move ahead. You know, New Year's Day, I've had the honor of, of getting to actually share this moment and, and be the guy with the post-Christmas, like, New Year's message, many a year's running if you've been around here. This is like my jam right here, um, is, is this Sunday, I love New Year's. I love the, the promise of a fresh start. I love the promise of a new beginning. And, and I have learned over the years, people are either really into New Year's or they're not. So what I've discovered, my powers of observation, is for especially those with, with type A overachieving personalities where you've already written out your New Year's resolutions on like ornate chalkboard like walls for, for all to see and feel terrible about themselves. And you've already ordered your, your paper source 2018 weekly planner and it's already filled with stuff. If that's you, New Year's is like Christmas all over Again, as you get to, to break out the fresh calendar, look forward, set new res resolutions, embrace the new you as the new year sets in. But for many others, in fact, I imagine the majority of us, New Year's is a strange day. It's a strange day. It's a conflicted day. <laughs> because this day, uniquely, this holiday has a way of confronting us with the same old list of sins and struggles and aspirations that we tend to carry into every year? Or is that just me, that my New Year's resolution list from year to year, it doesn't change much? It goes something like this. Eat more healthy, exercise more often, pray more often, pay off debt, read the scriptures daily, spend more quality time with the Lord and loved ones, and kick those sinful habits and ruts that are actually keeping me from growing and becoming mature in Christ. There you have it. This is my New Year's resolution list, and it has been the same list for like 15 years. So, for many of us, we don't even need to make New Year's resolutions. You just have one list and you can cross that off your New Year's resolution list. You have your New Year's resolution. It's the same one you've had for 20 years and it doesn't change much from year to year. And the older I get, I, I think with each year that passes, one of the things that I've come to realize is that in spite of my best efforts and intentions and aspirations, I have a difficult time keeping the promises that I make to myself, to others that I love, and to the Lord. In fact, a recent study found that only 8% of people keep any New Year's resolutions whatsoever. That's just not a great batting average. 8% of New Year's resolutions. 8% of people keep any New Year's resolutions whatsoever. And I think the reason is, if you're anything like me, my spirit is willing and filled with resolution, but my flesh is so pathetically weak that I have the same list of, of good intentions and aspirations from year to year. And that's why, as we step into 2000. 18, 
I'm letting go of my typical program of making New Year's resolutions, and I'm looking to the promises of Christ as I step into the new year, more than any other year that I can remember. I'm not focusing on my resolve and the promises I can make, which have about an 8% batting average. I'm looking at the promises of Christ that are 100% trustworthy and true in all circumstances and occasions in life, no matter what we're facing. And that's why the Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him, it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So what we're going to do today, we're going to be opening the scriptures together. If you would like a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will come around, get a Bible in your hand. And we're going to be opening the New Testament and looking at four precious promises from the risen Jesus to us that we need to cling to, to find encouragement, to find hope, to find resolve, to step into the new year, we're going to be looking at four precious promises from the lips of Jesus Christ. And as we look at these promises, as Adam described, the service is going to go a little bit differently, the flow of the service. As we read these these promises, we're going to have a time to reflect myself, Pastor Eric, and Colin. We're all going to share some reflections on how these promises can be applied to our lives, how we can behold these promises, cling to them in faith. And then we're going to pray corporately. We've written out some corporate prayers to help our hearts and mind engage these promises and make them ours. We're going to recite those prayers together and then respond by worshiping and praying. And so we've intentionally carved out some more time than usual in this service after just just the chaos and the noise of the holidays to really listen to open up our our heart and to listen to the promises that Christ wants to make to us as his church. And so to begin our time together, we're going to look at the first promise. And promise number one is the promise of renewal. The promise of renewal. And in the book of Revelation, the apostle John sees a vision of the Lord Jesus who has vanquished and defeated sin and death on the cross. He's rose from the dead on the third day. He has a vision of Jesus and records this word of promise for us. He says, he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Of all the promises that Christ has left for us, none fill us with more hope than these words from the risen Jesus. Behold, I am making all things new. 
I don't know if you are like me, but over the last couple weeks, I have noticed that my email inbox has been filled with advertisements from people that want to help me become the new me I was always meant to be in 2018. Email taglines, new you, new year. You know, this is the time where I, I think a lot of us, we get, we get email promotions, you know, from, from our gym you know, that they haven't seen us, you know, in this last year. They secretly kind of like shame us. They're like, you know, we, we haven't been seeing you around, you know, the new year. But this is your time. It's going to be the new you in the new year. I got an email. This is the strangest email I think I've received from, from the guy who sold me my Honda Insight. The, the car, I, which is a great car. It's been, it's been awesome, a great car. But he wanted to just check in with me. And he wanted to let me know that, you know, stepping into the new year, I really needed to become the new me by purchasing a new car. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was probably one of those automated things where it kicks out your name and things. But I read it like a personal, you know, message. And I realized this thing was just like programmed to go up to probably many of you as well to tell us, you know, the thing that's really missing in your life is actually just a new car. You know, we laugh in these gimmicks, you know, we, we get inundated, you know, with them during the holidays, but sometimes we buy into some of them. And, and we, we resolve, we go, you know what, I am going to join the gym. Maybe I will check out that new car. Maybe I need this thing or this thing. There's a deep longing, I think, inside all of us for renewal. But the truth is we often settle for cosmetic surface level changes. And we still remain the same old us, just with new stuff and new debt, and then new regret, year after year. And so this morning, what I want to tell you is there is someone who can make you new, and his name is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. In fact, he is the only one that has supernatural power to actually renew all things. That's why the Apostle Paul reminds the church in Corinth and says, if anyone is in Christ, listen to this, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I love the way that C.S. Lewis, reflecting on this verse, described Christianity. He said, you know, the Lord's intention for you and I is not to make us nice men and women, but new men and women. It's not like teaching a horse to run faster or to jump higher. No, the miracle of Christianity is like giving a horse wings and teaching it to soar. I love that. I love that. That's why Christ was born. Not to improve our lives or merely make them better or merely make us nice, but to make us new creations so that we can actually soar as we honor God and become fully alive to Jesus Christ and like him in the way that we love and live. That's the kind of renewal that Christ wants to bring to us. So as we step into the new year, we need to know that you are no longer enslaved 
to the sinful patterns and shame of your past. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone. The new you has come. And Jesus has done it. If you simply confess your need for a redeemer, no matter what you've done, how many times you've fallen and failed this last year to honor God, he will forgive you, he will cleanse you, he'll renew you and make you new from the inside out. And no one else can deliver on that promise. No one, none but Jesus. What I love about this promise from Jesus is it's not just for someday in the distant future, although that would be amazing. He's making things new right now. In fact, notice Jesus doesn't say, behold, I will make all things new, although that's true. And there is a day coming where Jesus will return and renew all things. Jesus In the testimony that John gives to us, he says, the one seated on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. Present tense, right now, December 31st, 2017, Jesus is on the throne and he wants to make things new in us. I wonder as we step into 2018, you have one more day. Just for this day, on the Lord's Day, forget about the the new things that you want to accomplish, the new things you want to do. Forget about them for a moment. Ask the Lord during our time together here to reveal the things that he wants to make new in your life. Can I tell you something? It's better than your list. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. The things that Jesus wants to renew and and make new, you can't even envision them. So maybe the Lord has a better list than you. And use this time. Open your heart. Uh, Quiet the voice of regret. I've been praying that just the stinging regret. We've all failed. We've all failed. None of us have kept our promises perfectly. There only is one who has. And you know what? John says, his words are trustworthy and true. The one seated on the throne that says, behold, I make all things new. John, he says, these words that this Savior has spoken, they're trustworthy and true. You can take them to the bank. That's why we can cling to these promises this morning. It's because every word out of the lips of risen Jesus is trustworthy and true. It comes from a Savior that laid his life down to seal every promise he's made to you and I by his blood. And so I'm going to invite Eric and Colin back up here. In a moment, we're going to respond and worship. But before we do, to stir our hearts to believe the promises of Christ, we're going to pray together our first corporate prayer this morning. And so if you look up at the screen, let's pray this in faith together, believing the promises of Christ together this morning, River West. Let's say this prayer. Risen Savior, you alone have the power to redeem and renew all things. Only you, Jesus, can bring beauty out of the ashes, gladness out of despair, life out of an empty tomb. 
You alone are the resurrection and the life that makes all things new. Holy Spirit, conform us into the image of the merciful Savior we adore. Renew our minds with his trustworthy and true promises. Take away our old, unfeeling heart of stone. In its place, give us hearts that hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Help us to cast off our old ways so that we can walk in Christ's love and light before others. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your renewing way with us this day, for you have come to make all things new. Isn't that good? We're going to respond in worship, open our hearts before the Lord. During this time, I encourage you, quiet every other voice and listen to the promises of Christ afresh for you today. The second promise is the promise of relationship. What Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We've just worked our way through the Advent season where we've looked at the beginning of the story of Jesus. And I love the way that the story of Jesus in the book of Matthew begins. It begins with a, a long list of names. It starts with, Abraham and the in the list goes all the way to Jesus and immediately after this long list of names we're told the story of Jesus's birth where where an angel appears to Joseph and and tells him what is happening with his soon to be wife Mary and Joseph freaks out naturally because it's an impossible situation and the angel tells him to not be afraid he says, you're going to have a son who will save his people from his sins. And then in Matthew 1.22, it says this. I want to read this to you. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And suddenly that whole list of names is shown to be a promise from God himself that he will come and be with us. And, and Matthew says, the first thing you need to know about the gospel, about the good news, is that God is with us, that he's fulfilled that promise in Jesus. He's drawn near to the human heart, and he's present. And then the book of Matthew continues, and we have the most extensive teachings of Jesus. We have Jesus teaching what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. We see the miracles of Jesus, and Matthew makes this great case that Jesus is, in fact, the long-promised Messiah. All this leads to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then at the very end of the story, in, in chapter 28, Matthew, he's, he's ending his account. Jesus is risen and he is appeared to his disciples. And in, in Matthew 28, he gives them what we call the Great Commission. These are his final words to him. And I want you to listen to this. It says this in verse 19, the, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And listen to this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew chose to start the good news with a message that, that in Christ, God is with us. And then the very last words that Jesus gives his disciples is that is still true, that he will be with them till the end of the age. You know, the beginning of the story, we have a young couple who's terrified of what is happening to them, the scandal that they have been placed in. And the angel comes and says, the best thing possible has happened, and God is with us. And then at the end of the story, the disciples who, if you read in Matthew 28, it says they worship Jesus and some still doubted. They've been given the most amazing calling you can imagine to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And Jesus says, you know, the best thing you have going for you is that I'm still with you. And I think that that promise, I really believe that promise is exactly what we need this morning. It's exactly what we need as we head into a new year to see that God is with us in Christ. We may be filled with love or filled with um, fear or filled with hope, but wherever we're at, that truth is exactly what we need. God with us. And that's a truth that I think only reaches our hearts through worship and prayer. It's not enough just to say, okay, I think I agree with that. We pray that reality into our hearts and we sing that reality into our hearts. And so I want to invite you this morning to read this prayer with me and then we'll sing together. Let's read this together. Emmanuel, your faithful presence is our greatest comfort and courage in this life. With you by our side, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Spirit of truth, silence the lies within that whisper you are alone. Speak words of grace over every lonely soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Heavenly Father, give us eyes of faith to see Emmanuel, our loyal Savior, who will never leave us or forsake us. Lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. For you, O Lord, are our Emmanuel. Promise number three is a promise of rest. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I know that with Christmas and the holiday season and in the fresh rearview mirror of our lives, um, and having gotten time off work and a chance to be with family and those we love, our hope would be that we would enter the new year um, rejuvenated, rested, ready to um, ready to storm into 2018 with power and gusto. Um, but I also know that for many of us, the holidays probably involved more stressing than resting. And um, furthermore, many of us experienced challenges in 2017. We're coming off the heels of a hard year, a year that was filled with loss, filled with pain, 
um, filled with confusion. We are heavy laden. And our fears and anxieties, they're, they're still there. And it may seem as if very little has changed. And this may or may not be your reality today, but, but I believe that if we are all honest and we look at the undercurrent going on beneath our lives, that we all have some sense of weariness as we approach this new year. And so it's in the face of that weariness um, that we cling to this amazing promise that Jesus gives to us. But let's notice before we can receive this promise of rest, he actually gives us a call, a call to action. And this action step is simple. He merely says, he says, come. He says, come to me. Beyond that, let's read the rest of the passage. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's notice what Jesus does not offer us here. He doesn't offer us an anxiety or pain-free life. He does not promise a life insulated from the storms raging around us. As with most things in the gospel, this promise is a bit of a paradox. The rest we long for, it's not found in retreat from the troubles of this world. Rather, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Eugene Peterson translates this passage this way. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I especially love that line, real rest. I think that's something that we all long for. This last week, my wife Allie and I, we got away to the coast with, with family, and, um, and it was a time of rest. One of our main goals was just that, to rest. And so between the meals we got to share, playing games, walking on the beach, there was a fair amount of resting going on. We, we broke away from the regular rhythms of life. Um, but even the most perfect vacation doesn't provide the real, lasting, soul-soothing rest that we all deeply long for. We can't escape, we can't hide from, bury, or burn away um, the problems in our life. It just doesn't work that way. In one of my very favorite all-time movies, What About Bob?, um, one of the characters, Dr. Leo Marvin, he, he tells Bob, he says, Bob, take a vacation, a vacation from your problems. And we all know that that does not work. The moment we come back, our problems, they're still there. But thankfully, Jesus, he offers us so much more than just a vacation from our problems. He offers us rest in, right in the middle of our problems. When Jesus said these words, he knew his destination. He knew where he was going. He was headed to the cross. And on the cross, he bore the yoke, the full weight of our sin, so that we no longer have to carry that, so that we might be free. And this is the ultimate rest that we all truly need. And so in Jesus, we find rest for today. In the middle of our weariness, in the middle of the storm, we find rest in 2018, and we find rest for all eternity. So I don't know what you came 
bearing on your shoulders today into this place. Um, But Jesus calls us right now. He says, lay this down at my feet. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Lay down your burdens on me. Cast them on me. And I will give you rest. That's his promise to us. And so we're going to pray this promise together. Let's do that right now. Jesus, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. By your gracious invitation, we bring our heavy-laden hearts to you. O Lord, we confess that we have often wasted our days eating the bread of anxious toil. Lord of the Sabbath and giver of rest, you watch over the feeblest of sparrows, and each new day you watch over us. Today, in tender grace, you invite us to lay down our labors and come to you. We cast our every care on you this day, for the cross has shown us how deeply you care for us. Redeemer, you welcome the weary to bring their burdens to Calvary's hill. Although we will never comprehend how you bore the yoke of sins on the cross, we praise you for redeeming us and giving us real rest. This morning we come to the final promise, promise number four, and it's the promise of Christ's return. On the Isle of Patmos, exiled in prison, the Apostle John, who had witnessed the risen Christ face to face, defeat death, stare death down, bury it, and emerge victorious from an empty tomb was given a vision of Christ to encourage Christians that were filled with fear in the first century. The primary emotion that the early church felt was they were afraid. As persecutions arose and and Roman emperors like Domitian began publicly dipping Christians in in tar and burning them alive and doing horrific things to persecute followers of Christ. The Lord Jesus visited John in a vision and gave him a promise, a book of promises to encourage the church to stand in faith amidst a dark world filled with challenges, filled with obstacles, he was given this promise from the Lord Jesus in the final chapter of the Bible. In Revelation 22, we read, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, from the very first days that the church gathered, one of their their earliest prayers that they prayed corporately in Aramaic was the word Maranatha, which means come, Lord, come. Our Lord, come. It, It was in light of the promise of Christ's return that the church had courage to face the obstacles and challenges that faced them in the first century. And it's the same promise of Christ's return. That one day, our good and faithful Savior, our Emmanuel God with us, will return and make 
all things new. In the previous chapter in Revelation, John recorded that when Christ comes on that great day, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And deep down, isn't this what we all long for? A renewed world, an unbroken fellowship with a Savior who loves us, a place where where sorrow and sin and death and separation are words forgotten in our vocabulary, and all things are made new where there's no longer any need for New Year's resolutions because we are remade wholly in the image of the Jesus we adore and love. Underneath all our aspirations and New Year's resolutions, I think there's this aching for Christ to return fully and renew us, make all things new. Oh, how our world needs our Lord and Savior to come in grace and address the fractures in our society. So in faith, the wisest thing that we could do as we enter into the new year is to cling to the promise that Christ makes where he says, behold, I'm coming soon. Coming soon. Although we don't know the day or the hour when our Savior returns, He has promised to return and make all things new. And so with Christians for centuries that have prayed, Maranatha, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, let's pray this prayer together this morning. King Jesus, although we often celebrate your arrival, we so rarely long for your return. Teach us to number our days so that we may have hearts that are wise and ready for your return. Deliver us from the sins that waste our hours on empty things. Holy Spirit, awaken in us a hunger and thirst for an everlasting kingdom above. One day soon, we will stand before you in robes washed by the blood of the Lamb. As we long for this day to come, let our lives overflow with praise. For you, O Lord Most High, are worthy of our adoration in everything. With all creation, we cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. This morning, as we we conclude our our service together, we're going to play a couple songs of response here and want to invite you, if if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, to come to the communion table. This table, the bread and the cup, it reminds us of the lengths our Savior Jesus has gone to make the promises you've heard a reality and available to you by grace today. The Apostle Paul, in instructing the church of Corinth, how to go to the table, he recorded these words. Listen to this instruction. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we go to the table this morning, I encourage you over these next couple songs, feel free as you're led to go to the table. Take the bread and the cup as an act of faith this morning. We encourage you to take communion and take some time over these next couple songs to pray and reflect on the promises that you've heard from Lord Jesus to you to us together. Perhaps there was something the Lord stirred, a promise that was especially relevant for something you're facing right now, the promise of rest, the promise of renewal. Perhaps the Lord wants you to let go of something old to make room for the new things he wants to do in your life. Whatever promise you've heard that has stirred your heart, Go to the table in faith and thank the Lord that by his, his death on the cross for us, all of his promises today for us are yes and amen. Let's worship the Lord.